Sparkler podcast number 21. Uh, I'm Leanne Centaur. I'm going to be moderating today. Today we are going to talk about visual novels, and uh, which is really relevant to not only what Sparkler recently put out, but also what we do in our free time. We touched upon this topic in our earlier podcast about video games, but today we have a few guests who are specialists in uh, visual novels, including a staff member who's been with us for a long time, but has never been on a podcast. So I'm going to start with her. Uh, Pachi, you can introduce yourself. Hi, um, I'm Pachi. I do a lot of writing and I like writing visual novels. Yeah, and she's uh, actually, you're like our web assistant at Sparkler, too. She's been working on the Sparkler site for a very long time, at least a year. I think it's been two now? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm not actually sure, because I haven't been in, no, it's definitely been two, because I was done with the internship with you guys. That's right, you were an intern as well. Yeah, I interned, and then I finished up there, and then I was still working retail, and then I got the job I currently have, so, and I've been at the, that job for like a year. Nice. So it's been about two. Yeah. And speaking of interns, we have our other intern turned staffed, Leah. Hi, I'm Leah, and I'm head of production. And of course, we also have Jill with us, who is our CFO and moderates a lot of these podcasts. But as we've mentioned in the past, Jill is our, our Otome game expert. So um, girl games in Japan, including a crap ton of visual novels. She also runs the Lijaka uh, Otome blog. Is that what it's called, Jill? Yeah, Lijaka CA's Ultimate Game Blog. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. That's how and not so much friends. for the, the creativity, you know. Well, you were reporting on the news, though. Like, Jill subscribes to all those game magazines in Japan and kind of keeps the English-speaking internet up to date with what's coming out in Japan. Used to. <laughs> then you started working for Sparkler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I didn't agree or disagree. Yeah, so uh, these three ladies are extensive visual novel players and uh, creators. Uh, Jill has worked on games in the past, and Pachi was one of the brains behind, uh, and one of the writers behind, Out of Sync, our most recent uh, release, last issue of Sparkler Monthly, and our very first visual novel, which was super exciting, and Pachi worked her ass off on that game. Yeah, oh, that was a wild few months. I don't know how much sleep I got, but that's fine. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you put together Out of Sync, because it was part of a game jam. And I think a lot of people don't know what a game jam is, but it's really integral to the indie visual novel community. Oh, first of all, I'm going to define really quickly for anybody who doesn't know what a visual novel is. It's a video game, but with very basic interfaces. It's very story-based, so it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure. If you played Out of Sync, then you know what a visual novel is, because that is a visual novel. But basically, instead of having some sort of a game where it's like timed or based on your reflexes and stuff, it's more like you're making choices in a story. Some visual novels will have little mini-game elements into it, but, you know, that's optional. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the design of a game jam, how Out of Sync fell in there, and how kind of like individual novel people make their own games. Okay, well, the idea behind a game jam is just that you have a you have a prompt and a limited amount of time in which to create a whole functional game. The rules have loosened up on these a lot. Like, a lot of game jams these days will accept, like, demos that are done at the end of the deadline. A lot of the game jams will allow you to submit post-deadline. But if for anybody familiar with, like, uh, National Novel Writing Month, it's the same spirit of that. You have this much time to do this much, go. It's just a lot more involved because you have to coordinate multiple people to get like an actual visual novel done unless you're one of those wizards who can do everything in which case okay you you do you 
I don't know how people do that. <laughs> but with Out of Sync, I, it had been a few months since we, since like the group I do work with had put out their last game. And the last game that was done was for the Yuri Game Jam. So we saw that the Yaoi Game Jam was coming up. And I was talking to uh, Capo Rushes, and we were just kind of making jokes about fucky idols. Like, that was, we were just like, haha, let's write a couple of idols, you know, fucking. And that was just, that was the beginning. And then I actually was able to pull together a really loose outline, and based off of a couple of character designs she came up with, then she named the characters, and we just went back and forth for a bit, and then suddenly we had something that actually seemed doable, and like had enough of an outline that I was confident that like it would be able to get written and get done. And we ended up running over by like a month to get it out the door. But that that was just where it started. It was a very silly, loose idea that ended up being a lot more serious when it was actually executed. <laughs> but you know, it, the how long was the original? Because you say you went over a month, but the original game jam was only like two months, right? So it was like make a game in two months. Yep. Why don't you tell us a little bit about RenPy, which is the program that a lot of people make visual novels in, especially the indie ones. Okay, so RenPy is a, I don't know if it's open source, I'm pretty sure it is, but it's a visual novel engine that runs off of Python. And the way that it's built is that you do have to do everything through like coding, but it is by far, in my experience, the easiest way to put a game together. Like, you have to be able to be detail-oriented in naming all of your variables, but it's there's other options out there that promote the fact that you can use a um, graphic user, user interface to load in all of your characters and stuff, and to a point that is extremely like beneficial when you're first starting out and you have no idea what you're doing. But I find that RenPy is the most easy to customize, and once you get past that learning curve of figuring out how to declare sprites and then how to call them based on like their pose, outfit, fate, like expression, all of that, once you're able to like get past that initial curve of what the hell am I looking at, then I find that just going through it with the code is infinitely easier than doing like a drag and drop system. And a lot of indie people use RenPy because it's really far along. Like, the, there's other competing visual novel engines, but they don't have the big, huge history behind them that RenPy does. RenPy has a huge community of people who build things and help support each other and help create and like help debug over on the Lemasoft forums. So, like, there's already a huge community behind it, a ton of people that are ready to help when you come across a bug. Because there have been plenty of times where, like, I've had code and I've been like, why is it doing this? And it turns out that I missed something stupid. Or sometimes it actually took two or three people to figure out what the actual problem was. I will mention that RenPy is very tab sensitive. You have to, like, if you have a tab character in there, it gets very angry and it won't run your game and the whole thing just dies. Oh. So you mean like, you like tabbing in the, like, notepad, say, like, yeah. the five spaces kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but if you do five spaces, it's happy. If you hit the tab button the ta and mm. it inserts that big block of empty space right. that's not a, a bunch of individual spaces, it gets angry. Wow. Yeah. Coding. So some Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the greatest at RenPy. It's the programmer at Paper Star Studios um, knows much more than I do about it. But it's pretty easy to learn 
especially for like even for people who are not code oriented at all. So yeah. well, and it's called Renpy because it's Python, right? Yeah, and it's like Renai games. Oh, yeah. Mm. So like the romance games Renpy. So yeah, it's a clever pun. <laughs> Jill, you used Renpy in the past as well, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to do when I when I was working on my own game. Um, briefly, I was going to use that, and also when I helped. Um, when I helped edit this other indie game a few years ago, like it was in Renpy and she, I think she just sent over the code. So I kind of got familiar with it. Mm. It is, yeah, it's good. Like I like the coding part because it's so much faster once you're used to it. Mm. It's like keyboard short shortcuts compared to someone that uses the mouse all the time. Well, and, and I think it's also, you know, I think one of the side benefits of somebody coding a game in something like RunPy is you start learning Python, which is a, a valuable thing to know for other reasons <laughs> as well. Oh, yeah, so sure. it, it's kind of like the, you know, when people complain about playing too much guitar here, I want to just learn guitar. I do think there's a, you know, some people just like to complain about people having too much fun. But I also think that there's something to be said for this particular fun thing that I'm doing is forcing me to learn a programming language or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in the case of manga files, like I have to learn Japanese to read more manga. Great. Exactly. <laughs> Use that as your inspiration. <laughs> I think, as Pachi had said, that RenPy has been revised so many times. It's actually kind of an incredible piece of software, the number of revisions. And it's very flexible in what it can do. Like, for example, um, as you guys probably noticed with Sync, when you build it in RenPy, you can export to PC, Mac, or Linux. Which, for anybody who's a Mac person like me, you just couldn't play games on the Mac for a long time. And visual novels from Japan generally cannot be played on a Mac. And in fact, when some games, like I think this happened with Code Realize um, when it went on Steam, even on Steam, running on a Mac, I couldn't play that game. It was PC only. So RenPy can already kind of, more people can download it and run it. There's also ways that you can export it to mobile, right, Pachi? There's like a, you can do it on iOS or... Um, Android and Android. iOS, it has options yeah. for that. None of us have really played around with it yet, but it's definitely an option. So like it'll export an APK for you, I believe. And then you should mm-hmm. be able to drop that onto an Android phone and it'll go from there. I'm not sure about iOS because iPhones are way more anal about their security. You can't, I, as far as I know, you can't just put like approved apps on your iPhone without like jumping through some hoops of fire. Yeah, yeah. No, it's terrible. <laughs> you have to go through the app store or kind of nothing. Interesting. But yeah, just the fact that this is kind of a free program and, and there are other paid programs out there like Tyrannosaur, not Tyrannosaur. I want to say Tyrannosaur, but it's called Tyranno Builder. Yeah. And, uh, and those have supposedly been pretty good and stuff, but it's really hard to beat RenPy considering, as Paji said, the, the community behind it, the amount of bug catching, the amount of support that you can have and just how flexible a program it is. Who's the guy who runs this? Doesn't it go by Renpy Tom? Is that his name? I'm trying to remember what his actual name is. <laughs> Probably Tom something. <laughs> it is Tom something, but he has it posted somewhere. Yeah, just clearly a labor of love. And as a result, there's so many great indie visual novels in there. Since the the barrier to entry for a visual novel is pretty low, as long as you can kind of figure out Renpy, which again is, you know, reasonably user-friendly after, especially after you get over the learning curve. And, you know, you need art and music and, and well, you can arguably do it without music, but art and story and stuff, it's not like you need to be able to do 3D models or, you know, design fighting systems or whatever. It's just kind of an interactive story. So as a result, because Renpy is so great, there are so many really great indie novels out there for people who are not really programmers or have very little programming skills. And things like Out of Sync can happen, which Pachi and Capo Rushes had already decided to do that game with Paper Star Studios for the Yaoi Jam. And then they were tweeting pictures about it. And it looked so good that I was like, can Sparkler buy that? 
And then we got a little more involved, too, because we're like, well, you know, Sparkler can help you a little bit (laughs) with some of this stuff. But for a very long time, uh, we've been wanting to do video games. We've talked about it in many prior podcasts, but we were always kind of intimidated by the size. But turned out that perhaps predictably teaming up with a studio like Paper Star Studios and working together to get that game and put it in the magazine ended up being really doable on both ends. And Out of Sync is great. If you haven't played it, you should play it. <laughs> it's totally free. Last issue was the first issue that was totally free from the minute it came out. So you can download the game. There is a dirtier version of the game that you can download in the Cherry Bomb line, which is either VIP free or I think you pay five bucks for it. So And it's actually selling quite well. <laughs> Oh my god, that, that would that's the first like semi-commercial game that Paper Star Studios has done. So it's very exciting to see it like selling, making actual money. People are buying the porny version, Pachi, so it's <laughs> a good sign. It, yeah, it's very encouraging for the future to do more smut. Yeah, or at the very least having a game that has see we used to call it the 18 plus fan disc like method, where you have a game that sort of works on its own. Usually it's romantic of some sort. And then you have an add-on that's the dirty parts. And they've been doing this in Japan for a while. It's a little bit less common maybe now than it was, what would you say, Jill, maybe 10 years ago? I feel like I saw more of that. Yeah. Yeah, the first 18 plus Ultima games were all, I think, all like that. A lot of them were. Not, was Mirai? No. Well, I mean, when I say the the first ones, like, there was only one, like, Mirai was the only one that did it with the queen of stars or whatever and oh, so for yeah. like five years they were the only ones and that was what they did so when i say when it began that was what they did so wasn't there that butler's game that one of the not the stupid naked butler's no, game that's... i'm talking about like they had a night oh, day version the... and night version do you remember that yeah but they were both porn oh, okay. um one was just, <laughs> just like different kinds of porn it was just that was is... more like a sequel yeah fan disc oh okay yeah, so you have a game that kind of works on its own, and then you sell the porn version for people who are like, well, I want to see all the sexy bits. And usually there's a little more story in the, you know, because usually character development continues through short, uh, through pornography, um, at least good ones. And uh, also sometimes it would be like, you would play it, and then there would be the fan disc or the porn version would have an extra scene at the end, which was like a lovemaking scene or whatever. It's a good system. I like it. We weren't entirely sure it would work or that people would be down with that, but no, I mean... <laughs> Looks like it worked okay, so we might do that again in the future. Who doesn't like the... And that's a, pretty much exactly what the Cherry Bomb line was designed to do. It's basically the 18 plus fan disc version of all of our prose and, and comics and stuff. When the authors want to do a little bit of porny stuff, but you don't need it for the book, we can just sell them as short stories and stuff. And So I guess that makes sense. Very encouraging. So we're going to talk a little bit about visual novels in Japan, because this is where they started. And there's a really, really big industry of it over there. It It was really more targeted... Rather, visual novels were, you could get way more games for men for them for a long time. A lot of them were just vehicles for pornography. <laughs> but they, you know, the selling video games to men is obviously a bigger market in Japan. The last, like, I'd say even 10 years, the Otome market, video games for girls that are like dating sims or visual novels, really exploded. I'd say really fast. Wouldn't you agree, Jill? Yeah, it was, it was a slow burn for a while. And then it just, yeah, exploded. Yeah, it went from like... Oh, great. There's like two games a year to like two games a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember first there's like one here, one there, like one a year, whatever, like Angelique, whatever, um, mm. Tokimeki, Girl Side. And that was like maybe, you know, one a year. And then D3 was actually one of the first ones to do regular releases. And they used to do like, was it one every two months or something? I remember because I was like, oh, I'm going to get all of them. And then. Ultimate, like Idea Factory started, and then mm-hmm. they just got faster and faster. 
so now, yeah, then, you know, all the other ones came in and started doing regular ones. And now it's pretty big. Why don't you name a couple of the big franchises that non-Otome nerds might know? Stuff that got turned into anime or stuff that's in English? Uh, Stuff that's in anime. I mean, there's a bunch that were kind of ported over recently as not very well. So they're still kind of Otome based. Um, but I don't think I'm going to say those because they're not, they're not really good. Like the anime, I mean. Oh, okay. You think I'm like but Diabolic people probably Lovers? Know, <laughs> well, Diabolic Lovers, actually, people probably know that one because um, the game is so popular. Uh, Amnesia. Mm-hmm. Um, Code Realize. Hakuoki is like, I think Hakuoki was probably, it was a breakout. Inter- even in Japan, it just, yeah. it just started and it had this gorgeous art, you know, even coming up. And then I think it was more popular than anyone ever expected because mm. ultimate games were always niche they're still pretty niche but that was a breakout for especially for idea factory and ultimate like i think their production schedule now is like because hakuoki did so well they can do all this stuff well um, i'd say also uta prince was another like huge one yes yeah uta no prince um prince of song i guess was another one that's broccoli um that's uh that's actually less of a visual novel. I mean, it's yeah, a visual it's a novel, game, but the of. yeah, the rhythm game is a pretty major part of it. And uh but that was also several years after Hak- Hakuoki. Yeah, I mean, people have probably heard of some of the big the big Starry ones that, Sky. Yeah, Starry Sky was uh that was a big PC one because there's a lot. There wasn't too much on PC like and they did one of the first ones where it was kind of a a series that would come out regularly. So they did the seasons. Starry Sky had, um, was it seasons or was it? No, it was season. Yeah, so Starry Sky in spring, yeah, Starry spring, Sky in summer, autumn. Yeah. And then three oh, guys in each. Great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, three boys per. Yeah. And people have probably heard about the really old ones. Like Angelique uh, was the very first. Yep. That was my game. And then Koei, that, that game studio, which was also women. All women. Um, they oh, really? built, yes, it was like, they were employees of Koei, uh, Koei mm-hmm. Namco now, I guess, which is a pretty major game company. Yeah. They did Dance Dance Revolution, didn't they? Koei? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Namco is, they're, they're big. Yeah, and I think they had, like, like, <laughs> they, were, they had like visual novels for men and everything, or not necessarily even visual novels, but like romance games or whatever. And they were like, oh, you know, we kind of want to try a, a women's one, but let's, it was kind of like a throwaway project, I think, and and the women were like, they they got the women in their company already to like do it, so that they called that Ruby Party. <laughs> so that's like the ultimate game studio <laughs> of Koei. So they did Angelique. Nice. Yeah, and it was, and that's actually not really a visual novel either. It's like a, it's like a sim, like a land building sim. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it was so popular, and it was all for like Super Famicom. It was so old, but it was so popular oh. that they like started doing other ones so the one yeah so they have like three major series anyways that's really old and then tokimeki memorial is the other huge like it's a oh god so okay so tokimeki memorial was a a dating sim for boys that was on was that on super famicom i mean it was on playstation i think it was a little Um, bit later but the first ones were old yeah was it on pc because i know they eventually moved to the ps2 started on the pc uh let me check yeah, and yeah, and Tokimeki Memorial is by Konami, and right, another big video game company. Yeah, and it was a major series, and then they tried the girl side, and it was done so well, and it, it's 
like a stat raising game and a pretty intense one as well. And it was so mm. popular. Like there's Otome games aren't they're still niche. Um if they sell like ten thousand, I think it is, it's it's considered to do pretty well. Tokimeki Girl Side sells around a hundred thousand. Like <laughs> the numbers are just so different for that. Yeah. You know, and people don't realize here because it never got translated and yeah. it, plus you don't really think of it because it's not when you play it, it's not that romantic. It's more like a fucking hard stat raising <laughs> game with like some dates in between. And you're trying not to get back yeah, to that by it, your friends. But Yeah, so it has like, so a lot of these will have a, you know, a ba- A lot of them are like visual novel first and there's, you know, mini games on top of it. Some of them are stat raising games at their core. Tokimeki Girls Side, um, which like Jill said, there's only, they come out with like one every three or four years. And uh, they're still huge. So, like, <laughs> they'll put the first teaser image, like, yeah. a year before the game comes and out. And it'll be the cover out. of all the magazines. Yes. Everybody will collectively lose their <laughs> shit. And, and, like, anybody who plays Otome games in any part of the world, when they put main boy from the upcoming Tokimeki game on the cover of all, like, the girls' magazines, they're like, oh, fuck, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> because these games are so fun. They're incredibly yeah. hard. But they're fun. The they're stat they're fun. They're so fun. They're very complicated. Um, they're all based on sort of the high school three-year system where it's like, oh, here's the there's the main boy who's always like standoffish. There's like an athletic one. There's a smart one. Um, there's an artistic one, whatever. Yep. And like it, the archetypes aren't don't even change that much between games. Oh, it's just they're like, really well you written. Know kind you know, of, it's like they are really well written. Yeah. So you know exactly what you're getting, but there's always a surprise. And then the most recent one, which was three and came out on the DS, they started adding like Hey, now you can touch the boys with the, well, three, I <laughs> with think, the stylus. Uh, did it come out of the DS? Was I think three? it did, but they also they put it on PSP and now Vita. Yeah. And DS and 3DS. Yeah. And you could get like not three way endings, but you could get endings where well, it was so like you could do a love track. Both brothers were friends. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So they're they're yeah. just really well made. They're so good. It's like a it's triple yeah. A games for Otome for yeah. visual novels. Well, yep. <laughs> Which is weird to say, triple A game for Otome yeah. games, but it kind of is. And the, the hidden, they're always like hidden oh, boys God. in it and they get more and more clever how to find. Didn't you say there was one boy yes. if you tap on? It has like, to be. Tell me so about this in Tokimeki 3. The way the game start or is set up is that you start high school, I think it's usually, and you have three years. Yeah. And the game goes through every year and you have to set up your week and what you're doing and all that stuff. And then you go on dates and choose your outfits and things like that. And you have kind of random events that happen um, along the way. And so the first section of the game is you getting to school, meeting your classmates, blah, blah. And there's the first day at school, you see the class as the scenery, the background. And at, It's like a background. Yeah, the second yeah. or third time you play the game, if you push a certain part of the background, this guy will show up, and then you can you can chase him. <laughs> That's the only way. Wasn't it like you ta- you you literally tap his back in the background yeah, he and he makes turns like, around or something? He, 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 you don't even see him at first. He, you just see like a, a a dialogue box and like dot dot dot, and then he doesn't show up for like a year, and you have to play through for the next year. And then if you don't have anyone yet, then he might show up. <laughs> There was a guy you bump into in the mall. I mean, it was just, it's so amazing because you know that they're, they're, they're trying to, like, every every game they're raising the stakes a little more. And they're like, okay, so here's the formula, but here are the ways that we're going to fuck with it a little well, bit. Well, it helps. We're going like, to make you really work for this. Yeah, when, when it started, the internet wasn't as big a thing. You know, 
guides or yeah. whatever. But now they know that no matter how random or obscure they make something, you'll find it. Someone will find it and then everybody will know about it. So they just they just go crazy. It's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So people might have heard about that. Um, yeah, the big ones over here are Hakuoki, Amnesia. Is, is Oz Mafia in yes. English? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Leah likes that one. Too. Right. Both of you like that. Yeah, one. Yeah, I really liked it. It's it's interesting because it's not like I'm used to tons of really traditional ultimate games that are based on you know Japanese society. You know, like that has all the Japanese mm -hmm. society baggage without the Western society baggage. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. Oz Mafia, I find is interesting because you have all the all the guys and everything, but even the story, the way it you can make it go, is a little different. You know, it's not, you don't have mm -hmm. to, like, pick one guy and chase him and be really nice to him or whatever. Like, it's not the same way as a lot of other Ultimate games. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and the, the meta story is pretty interesting. And and the art, of course, is beautiful. It's the same artist as uh, Diabolic Lovers. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that is that a manga gamer in English? Mm -hmm. Did manga gamer yeah. put that out? Yeah. Manga gamer is an interesting company. Because yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> they make their money... They sell, they basically, trans, this is a legit company. This is not like indie. They, they license Japanese games and they put them out in English. Um, but they don't have like a game store or, you know, oh, like you basically on, have to buy them off their site, download. Yeah, and then yeah. sometimes on Steam. And they, yeah, they pick yeah, some really interesting on ones to do. Like they have Osmafia. Oz <laughs> Didn't they do No Thank You? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So we'll go out <laughs> to that in a second. But basically they make all their money selling doing English translations of porn games for boys. So if you go to their site, it's just breasts. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you go to mangagamer.com or whatever, they're like, are you 18? But they've also been very uh, selectively and strangely choosing a couple Otome and Boys Loves games to do as well to to reach out to the female market because there are no companies right now um, that are translating like PC visual novel games from Japan. Like you, you'll get like, you know, some of the ones that are on the consoles, so, for example, Code Realize and... and Nor 9 um, is the other one, uh, mm -hmm. which is really... Nor 9, yep, and yep, and Sweet Fuse, and a couple of them that were, like, they're on the PSP, they go, you know, you can sell them in a game store. Like, you can go to a, a Vita, the Vita section of a GameStop and see a couple of Ultimate games there, which is actually kind of amazing, but, you know, yeah. if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have been like, Please. I know, I still have a hard time um, stopping myself from buying it when... Ever I see something, even though I have, like, I have three copies of the English Hakuoki just because I was like, oh my god, it's here, it's here. I have to, like, support it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you bought three Well, copies. I have the normal, so I I ordered, pre-ordered the dis uh, limited edition, but then I saw the regular edition in store, so I'm like, well, I have to have it now. And then I did the downloaded <laughs> version on PS3, I think. I just couldn't help myself. And there was still, like, reasonably priced, you know? Like, I mean, it doesn't help. Mm. I'm used to importing them, so I yeah. pay, like, 60, 70 bucks all the time so yeah. for me like 30 dollars like that's amazing anyways yeah but the stuff that was pc only um including like pretty much all the boys love games mm -hmm. with a couple yeah. exceptions they basically just didn't get translated partially because we don't have a giant pc gaming culture over here where people are used to playing at least Sims. Not before. I mean, like, steam is helping a lot i think with that yeah, I agree. I think Steam is changing things a little bit. And also, you know, vi the individual novel community, which Pachi was right. telling us a little bit about, and Renpai and stuff. So people are getting, like, it's like there's an indie community behind it, but it's not like the console gaming community, which is humongous. I mean, video games are bigger than, I think, Hollywood in, in the Western market. Like, I think people don't quite understand how much money yeah. <laughs> the video game industry both spends and makes every year. It's humongous. 
So, but Manga Gamer is one of the only companies, if not the only company, that's like, okay, we're going to do PC games for girls occasionally. There used yeah. to be, I think it was like Hitomeki International did a couple Ultima games back in yes. the day. They did Yojimbo. Yeah, and Ever 17, um, I think. Is that the other one? Maybe. They did, were they the ones that did Absolute Obedience? Oh, there was I like know. two boys love games. Pachi might know this. There were two boys love games that were put in English a long time ago. One was about, well, wasn't it like a Nazi prison camp? Oh, they had the worst man. games to choose. Wow. That one was Anzai. Uh, Anzai that was yep. translated Absolutely, by yeah. Jast USA, and I believe Absolute oh, Obedience was Jast through Jast too. Okay. Yeah, so there were a couple of these, and these companies are gone mm -hmm. now, pretty much, or they're not doing this anymore, yep. for sure. So then Manga Gamer, that was translating a bunch of these for boys, they were like, okay, we'll do a few for girls and for yeah, we'll try it gay out. men, arguably. Yeah. And the choices are strange. So Osmafia is one of them. Yeah. Which is Honestly, clean. I think they did it. <laughs> yeah, it's clean. There's uh, mentions of of sleeping together and stuff in it. Um, so mm -hmm. it's definitely more mature than a lot of the console ones. But uh, yeah, there's it's not mm -hmm. porn at all. But it is, I think yeah. it caught their eye because in Japan, it was done by, I, I don't know if they're classified as indie, but they're almost indie, like that was their only game. And they have the artist from mm -hmm. Diabolic Lovers and Diabolic Lovers was huge. Um, Huge, yeah. Even over here, considering it's not even released. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I yeah. don't really get it, but I haven't played it, so I can't say anything about it. Um, so they have this gorgeous art, and I think it was maybe relatively cheap for them to get the license because it was an indie gamer. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't one of these huge companies like Koei or whatever. Right. And then they're also, in addition to No Thank You, which is uh, you've played it, um, Leanne, yes. so you can. I'll go into it in a minute. Yeah. And they, but uh, they also are releasing, um, they were releasing the 18 plus Ultimate game. Uh, I'm not sure, maybe next year. Yep. And they're mm -hmm. releasing. They just announced it. Yeah. And I think they already <laughs> released um, a lesbian game. That's actually like, it's Did they really? not. Yeah. It's called Flowers. It has really pretty art. Um, but I it's haven't like played not it. for men? I, I think it's maybe for both. Like, I actually saw ads for it or an article or something in the Ultimate magazines. So I think oh, it's kind okay. of like... So I was going to say, I'm sure they have plenty of lesbian stuff for like... Oh, boy yeah, boy. but it's not like the usual one there when they're all... Okay. Moe. Like a legitimate story. <laughs> I think, yeah. Something that women might... Yeah. I mean, not to say that women don't play those games, but they're really not marketed. That's right. Yeah, women. I think they're trying to... Like, it was kind of equal or almost equal marketing. So No Thank You is not, in my opinion, a very good game. I was wondering why they brought it over when they're... There are some really big boys love, like... There are boys love games in Japan that have big fandoms over here, mostly because it's like, oh, was there an English patch or is it for one of these big companies? One of the big ones, as Pachi could tell you, is Dramatical Murder, which a lot of people have probably heard of. It's also shortened as DMMD. So either way, it sounds insane. It's like, what the hell is a Dramatical Murder? And DMMD sounds like a drug. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably saw that popping up in your fandom feeds. Like, who is this boy with, boy with blue hair getting reamed by, like, 18 guys? That was by a company called Nitro Plus Chiral, which, um, I think that's how you pronounce I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But they're, like, Nitro and Nitro Plus does porn games for boys. And then they're like, okay, we'll do one or two for girls. And they did, like, boys love games. They did Togaino no Chi, which is another one that fandom might have heard of. I think there was an English patch for a while. Another kind of terrifying game. They do really horrifying games. Pachi, the stuff they make for boys, that stuff's horrifying too, oh, yeah. right? My um, <laughs> gateway to visual novels was actually um, someone I was dating showing me Saya no Uta, oh, which yeah. has a gore setting, so you can choose how gory you want the game to be. <laughs> and by premise alone, it's absolutely horrifying. 
and then it just kind of gets worse from there. <laughs> I don't know how much detail I want to go into. It's been out for a long time, so it's not like spoilers, but it's kind of really gross. And it's yeah. very intense, but it's like, it's one of the things that when you first get into visual novels, everybody's like, oh, go play Sayana Uta. Everybody knows Sayana Uta. <laughs> but it's not really for beginners. No, I mean, you regret that decision pretty quick. Then, like, everything Nitro Plus does is definitely in the vein of horror. They like yeah. doing some, like, psychological horror stuff, though. Like, for instance, I can look at the title of this one, but um, they did this game recently that was, like, a deconstruction of um, just, like, the dating sim thing as a whole. Was that where there was a girl who would go through your save games and replace herself with all the other girls you were having sex with and stuff? I'm not super sure, but... There was some crazy deconstruction like that that was so terrifying that it's like it starts looking <laughs> like it's a glitch taken over by inside the game. And it's like, whoa. That sounds yeah. like a horror movie. That oh. sounds really Yeah, well, that's kind wow. of what Nitro Plus does. Yeah, like yeah. you romance this one girl and the title of it is Kimi to Kanojo to Kanojo no Koi. The love between you, her, and her. And you play through the first time with, like, this childhood friend of yours. You get through, and then you start over, and you play the other girl, who's, like, this really head-in-the-clouds um, head kind of character. And, like, you get through that, and, like, the girl that you originally romanced isn't terribly delighted by this. And eventually she loses her shit um, and starts yelling at you, the player, like for uh, <laughs> doing this and also the way that the pro game is programmed you cannot you it's basically impossible with the level of randomization that it has to get the exact same version of the girl you first romance again you shape her <laughs> as you play the game and yeah like it i don't know how well it did but oh my god the whole thing was just wild <laughs> and the first Speaking of Nitro Plus, the first, like, visual novel I ever played was Tugai no Nochi. Yeah, not for beginners. No. That actually, what's interesting, people might have heard of that, not just from fandom, but they made an anime. Oh, like, interestingly, Tugai no Nochi kind of did well, but they kept remaking it because the original version is horrifying. And every time they remade it, they put on, like, the PS2. There was, like, six months where I was really into Tugai no Nochi. I don't... So I don't want to say how I regret it, but I definitely would not go back. But they did a bunch of different versions, and every time they did it, it got a little bit better. Because the original version was kind of horror, and it was really just... It was like a post-apocalyptic street fight turned into a rape fest. And it had, like, a fairly interesting story, but all the sex was horrible. And, like... So every time they did it, they took, like, a little more sex out, and they put, like, some better endings in. They, like, softened it. <laughs> um, and it ended up becoming a relatively big franchise. And then same thing with Dramatical Murder. There's also an anime for that, which is pretty rare for boys' love games. Like, you'll occasionally see an Otome game... You know, like Amnesia, Diabolic Levels, Lovers, which I, don't, I think actually it was Drama CDs before a game, but whatever, Synergy. So you would see these things. So when Manga Gamer decided they were going to start doing Boys Love Game and they picked No Thank You, which not only was kind of, you know, maybe the license was cheap because I do think it might have been like an indie company, but also it was kind of aiming. It's one of the games that was like, you could tell they were sort of aiming for gay men and, and maybe oh, like boy like girls who play boys love as well would like it but it's definitely not like a traditional boys love the guys are a little bit bigger the sex scenes are like really long and very very graphic in a way that you know even hardcore boys love games such as Togano no Chi they like still pixelate genitals and stuff um 
Not so. At least not in the English version of No Thank You. There's no censorship. These had, like, crotch cam things. Stuff that they don't really do and boys love that much. And also just No Thank You is a very strange game that has a lot of murder in it. <laughs> you're sort of like a... you. It's like an amnesia story slash you're a private eye slash you're trying to kill all of them. The main character is truly bizarre. It's just... I don't think it's that good of a game. And... Uh, the the archetypes are not like the traditional boys love archetypes. They're a little bit closer to sort of the gay commie archetypes, which isn't a bad thing. And I I can see that might that might have been the exact reason why manga gamers wanted to do that because their audience is primarily men, and they're like, well, we can get some girls, but maybe like gay guys would want to play this as well. Um, but then they had their new license announcement, and they also licensed Naked Butlers, <laughs> which is another game that it's like niche yeah you even you know naked butlers because all the magazines in japan were covering it because they're like this game is like disgusting it's just like hardcore pornography of you having sex with these butlers and it's really closer to the way they sell porn to boys than the way they sell porn to girls i don't know if it did well i know it's been around for a long time it certainly gathers a lot of attention but i really like something that not only was maybe aimed for girls a little bit more but maybe it more of a I don't know, mainstreamy vibe or like a story, mm -hmm. you know, like Gakko in Heaven had like the manga was translated into English here. And I'm granted that's a, a console game, but, you know, just something that's a little bit less niche and or for boys and are incredibly hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a little disappointing. I mean, I still bought and played No Thank You, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, eh. it's not like of the boys love games in Japan. If you wanted, like, an indie game or something, like, I really wish they brought over Lucky Dog, ah. which is just such a good game. Um, and also was, I think, an indie company, and it did so much better in Japan than they were expecting. And then they're like, do a sequel. They're like, uh, I don't know how. So they did what we call stall games. That they're like, they're still doing that. They're technically a game. There's, yeah, it's been, like, <laughs> how many years? At least seven, I think, since Lucky Dog. Yeah, I got a cool bee just um, uh, a week ago, and it had Lucky Dog. I think Bad Egg on the front or something. Bad Egg is supposed to be the sequel, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a great game about 19, I think it's 1920. You are, it's Amer it takes place in America. You guys are all Italian-American Italian gangsters, and you're in jail. And then there's some, I can't remember exactly what's happening, but it's sort of like a rival gang is like, you know, screwing up your, um, you know, your mob family outside of prison. So you're like, well, I have to bust out of prison with my, you know, generals, my executives, we all have to get out and kind of save our gang. So the first third of the game is a jailbreak. And that's the second two thirds of the game are like, once you're free, it's actually really hard to break out of jail. It took me quite a few tries to get all the, and those bad end are, bad ends are bad in Lucky Dog. That is a necrophilia ending where I died and one of my guys had sex with my corpse and they had a picture and I was like, thanks, Lucky Dog. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> That's a bad end I, I really wanted to see. Thank you. Oh, God. Um, but it's really interesting. They also, they curse in English and Italian. So the whole game is in Japanese, obviously, but they'll they'll scream out Italian curses at each other. They all have, like, adorably Italian names. Like, the main kid's name is Giancarlo. And hearing them say it in, in, with a Japanese accent is just, like, the cutest <laughs> thing ever. It has amazing voice actors in it. The drama CDs are, like, the hottest things you will ever hear. And the game is just really wonderful and it did really well in japan because it was really well put together even though it was an indie game what's the artist's name yura yura yeah yeah she's kind of big in the otome game circles well um, she, she did, did a bunch of stuff she started in boys love with something about an mm -hmm. anthropomorphic notebook or something i can't remember miracle noten yeah. yeah it was about a notebook that comes to life and you fuck it it's weird don't play it but yeah so she's actually done more boys love but she has done a few Otome games like I think the boys love maybe she 
she's more involved in the actual game design and everything. It feels like it because mm -hmm. the Otome games that she's done, which are also popular and, and pretty good, it, I think it's just the art and the character design. Yeah. Okay, so I want Leah to talk because Leah has become a bit of an expert on the English language market of mobile, like dating sims and visual novels, stuff that um, was in Japan and then they localized it and you can basically only play it on like a phone or a tablet. Leah, why don't you tell me tell us a little bit about those? Okay, so <laughs> that's the first time I've been called an expert at it. So, <laughs> well, it started like a few years ago. I got into them a few years ago, and it was back then. It was really hard to find them on mobile phones over here because that was when people were like, "What's Otome?" And I actually stumbled onto the fan fandom and. I tried it out on my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, a game where I specifically can date guys. <laughs> like, I'm a hardcore romantic, so it's like, yes. Yeah. Something for me. <laughs> Which and was the first one that you played? The you first remember? one that I played was was from a company called Voltage Inc. And they're a, mo they're a game company in Japan and they make mobile games and mobile Atome games, obviously. The first one I played from them was called My Forged Wedding. Oh, um, yes. I played that one. <laughs> the premise sounds pretty <laughs> terrible. Basically, yep. you get tricked in... Oh my gosh, the premise is pretty <laughs> terrible. The game itself is very lighthearted and sweet, but the premise is that you get tricked into a fake marriage with a guy for like um, a month or several months, something like that. I haven't played it in a while. And basically, your character ends up falling in love with one of the six original dudes. They added several more, but one of those, those dudes, and you fall in love with this guy you were in a fake marriage with. <laughs> That's a very old romance trope in the West. So yeah. it makes sense that, that, you know, like, oh, you have to get married convenience. for Convenience. Marriage of convenience, yeah. Or yeah. fake marriage. Or trickery. Yeah, fake engagement, whatever. <laughs> and those ones are, I don't know. So mobile games are like either you pay a set amount of money and you get the whole character route, route, whatever, or you can play free and get like a certain amount of story that you can read or go through every day. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Like it's you generally there's a prologue that's free to read. You download the game and you can read the prologue for free. And that kind of lets you get to know a little bit about what each guy is about, at mm. least on the surface anyway. And then you decide at least in the older ones and some of the newer ones too. It's like, which guy do you want to go after basically? And, like, mm -hmm. for instance, in the My Forge Wedding game, it was, which guy do you want to marry? <laughs> <laughs> which guy do you want to, like, marry by trickery? <laughs> like, be tricked into Basically. marrying. You get to choose. I remember the first, I think the first English one that I saw over here was only on iPhone. And I was, was so jealous because I didn't have one. So I made, I made Leanne buy it. And it was called Pirates in Love, I think. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I'm, and the yeah. art was actually really gorgeous, yeah. but the translation was hilarious. <laughs> that was so good. They actually made them I think do I pirate actually, talk. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, I think I might have emailed them and offered my services as a rewriter. <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> because I was like, guys. I think they got a pretty good amount of money because they were one of the few ones available. So they were probably like, ah, we don't need to make yeah. our writing better. Who cares? Oh, it definitely wasn't. It wasn't terrible. No, it was, it was just... just a little Funny. awkward. Yeah. And also, like, the visual novels, if your English isn't good, I mean, like, it's only reading a story, right? It pops out way worse than if you're playing a different sort of game. Which actually, 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with Alice in the Country of Hearts. I can actually oh, yeah, talk, let's about talk about this about now that, yes. because <laughs> so I worked on uh the manga professionally for like literally eight years or something because it's a huge franchise and I started at Tokyo Pop and then moved to another company. The company has since gone out of business, so it's not really a conflict of interest anymore. But basically, um these manga were doing really, really well. And they were complicated because the game itself was very complicated by this company called Quinn Rose. Um, and they put out, it was based off Alice in Wonderland, except everybody in Wonderland is a hot guy, except for the Queen of Hearts. Um, and then, you know, you can bone the White Rabbit or you can bone the Mad Hatter or whatever. They were actually quite well written. They were really trippy. Um, they were kind of in a lot of ways psychological horror. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they were just kind of like edgy, otome sort of fun the game did really well in Japan, which is why there were so many manga that responded off of it. They did a bunch of games off of it, um, all from the same company. But then all of a sudden, and, and because the manga was doing so well in English, people were like, oh, I really want the game to come out. I really want the game to come out. And all of a sudden, it like appeared in English on mobile. And yeah, I like just it was just store. iOS. No, it was, it was on Google Play, I think, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I bought it. It might have been. Actually bought it. Oh, okay. And at first, when I saw it, and... I thought it was a fake. <laughs> I thought somebody had pirated it. From the original company, and so I sent in a like a spam or whatever report, fraud report, because I was like, this can't be correct because it is done yeah, so poorly. Because... The English is so bad, but also like it doesn't look legit. It doesn't look like a an actual professional yeah, company did it. It was so badly translated that it was like basically maybe the we're not sure what happened, but. It kind of felt like somebody in the original company put it through Google Translate and then released it on you know, considering <laughs> mobile phones. Like Quinn Rose is out of business now, and the stories that have come out like right before and right after that happened made me think the company itself, like the person in charge, I think it's one owner, like maybe did that because I think <laughs> yeah, she possibly. did not seem very professional, and she was kind of grabbing <laughs> at straws to, I guess, try to save the company. Yeah, it was it was uh, difficult, and I we actually well I won't go into it too much, but uh, some people I know were reaching out to the company professionally and being like, "It's not too late to fix this," you know, like this is actually a franchise in English. What have you done? Like this, yeah. <laughs> not only is like you're missing an opportunity here, but like they were like articles written online in like online game magazines being like, "What is this travesty? We've been asking for this game in English for so long." There's a huge manga readership and it's barely coherent yeah. and you it was know, one and, of the first it like, like it was i think in between in terms of english releases of otome it was after hakuoki but before like code realize nor nine so people were like come on we are starving for these things and you send us this crap yeah. like give me a break yeah and it was expensive too like if you paid for all the roots in the full voice it was like 40 dollars. yeah okay and it was just and it took a gig of space on your phone it was just the whole thing was like, what the hell happened? And the Alice, I'm not going to go into too many details here because still I have a professional dignity to maintain, but the Alice fandom <laughs> was a little bit, let's just say like they, they've had clashes before with, I, I personally had some clashes with the Alice fandom, but they were basically like so excited the game was in English that they were like, oh, you should buy it anyway. And here are like walkthroughs. Because it's really hard to understand what they're even saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they, they did claim that it was the prologue was the worst part. That once you actually start playing, the prologue was free, of course. But they were saying once you start playing, it, it got See, a lot that better. But me... they were just kind of like trying to defend yeah, it. I, and it was usually like, the but... prologue is the best because they want you to buy it, right? 
And I remember, yeah. like, I think I was playing through Peter's because I actually bought it. I was like, what the hell? You know, and I could understand what he said mm -hmm. because he's saying it in Japanese, like, actually, like, audibly. <laughs> but I couldn't understand my own responses because it's just text. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck Alice is saying here. Yeah. yeah. In English, guys. This was in English. Yeah. Like, we couldn't understand the English that was used. It was so bad. And I think this will go down in history as one of, like, the biggest disappointments slash misfires that happened. And like Jill said, there was some maybe some stuff going down at that company that showed it. But um, this is another reason why Otome fans over here um, are thirsty <laughs> that this kind of stuff has happened. When we talk about, you know, games that are over here, they're just not that many that are brought over. Luckily, we're starting to get more, and, you know, the, the bigger franchise in Hakuoki, they did a really good job yeah. and stuff. But They're getting a few, and it's and it's going to... It's starting to be quality ones too, but I think maybe we should talk yeah. as well about there's a lot more um, domestic, I guess, native English uh, games coming out, and uh, and they're getting even better and better. So they are. Um, Leah, what what other? I want to quickly go Leah with mm. the mobile games because is yep. it only Voltage that does the mobile games? There are other companies that do mobile games. Voltage definitely has kind of a monopoly over the over the mobile Otome market. I feel because they were one of the really early adopters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, th and they've got a lot of games. Yeah, they have a ton of games yeah. out now. And there are other companies. And I think they one also... of them is like NTT Solmare. I don't know if I'm pronouncing oh, that yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do there's, that. Yeah, other games. Yeah, are they the ones that do the, like, the two versions? Because uh, there's, is it Voltage or, is it Voltage or NTT that does the, like, one version free-to-play and one version paid? It's it's so there, yeah. Okay, because I know that they brought over a couple like Idea Factory games, um, like Scarlet Fragment, yeah, which Scarlet I think Hiro, yeah, Hiro no Kakeda had an anime that was pretty popular on Country World, I think, fairly popular, and it was mm -hmm. based on a game, and they brought not the original game, I think, but some of the sequels into like mobile. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting, I didn't know that Hiro no Kakeda. That's a big franchise. Yeah. And also, one of my favorite games from the PSP uh, in Japanese is called Nisei no Chigiri, and they translated it as Eternal Vows. You can get that. I think that might... Is that Voltage? It might be in... I'm not sure. But you can get that. But unfortunately, no uh, voices. But that, I actually recommend, hmm. you know, if you guys are interested. It's a medieval ninja romance. But it's actually pretty bittersweet. <laughs> like, it's not. it's not happy all the time because it's they're trying to be realistic and ninjas were not ninja were not mm, is yeah. it like regarded well bittersweet um i mean i think the love stories are better uh but it's more like it was in a period of war which i guess hakuoki is as well but also they were they were lower class right so they're treated not very well mm. by their lords and stuff all the time but it's uh, it's good i like it and the music, yeah, even the music is, is depressing. Yeah, Hakuogi can be, but um, the music is really good too. And the art, I love the art. It's so gorgeous. So it, is Voltage like the like a translation company? So they, they license from a couple different game companies? Because they put out their own games, right? Yeah, they right? put out I feel their like own the... games. And they actually have, okay. I guess they, they're successful enough over here or something like that, that they have, an in, have a specifically Western culture like branch over here. Mm -hmm. Oh, making games. Is that? Do they do? Um, shall we date? As no, well? no, that's is that one of NTT Somer. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, so that is All so right. the eternal vows is shall we date? Like, okay. I think the oh, NTT okay. like takes the games from other companies and then they kind of stick shall we date in front of it. <laughs> so it's like yes, oh, this is the mobile okay. version kind of thing. So yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, so Voltage is like a content maker, and the other one is more of a like a licensor. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What? So what's your favorite Voltage game, Lee? Because I know you've played like a thousand <laughs> of them. What, what? If people had to say, I want to go play, because you know you can go on like the the app, yeah, the app store, store and, and like just look up voltage. voltage and you're and you're slammed with like a wall of voltage games to choose from but okay so you're asking me for my totally unbiased i'm <laughs> kidding this is going to be completely biased my favorite game is be my princess mm. and that is basically you're you're playing as this quote-unquote commoner girl but it's in the modern day it's like this alternate universe mm. where there are these country, these kingdoms based on actual countries. So, for instance, um, so th- you bump into these princes on the street for some weird <laughs> reason. You bump into all these princes. They're on their way to. They're on their way to a big princely party, and one of them splashes mud on your dress, and another one is like, "Oh man." Let me invite you to this party to make up for that. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, okay. And you end up going to this party and you meet all these princes. And the thing is like, which prince do you want to dance with? And that's the prince you end up buying the route for. <laughs> and it's actually a really good game because it it's not just like, oh, I'm a prince and I'm going to sweep you off your feet and ride off into the sunset on my white horse. It's about these princes struggling with their prin- their princess, but they're ordinary guys underneath that because they're still human and they have human struggles and they want to like be able. They struggle with duty and also like wanting to like be more independent and do what they want to do and experience life. But they have like this duties to their countries and everything to be a good ruler. And each one is a little different, but it's like. Mm. I don't know what I'm feeling about this game. <laughs> okay, so for anybody who's not that familiar with visual novels or Otome games or whatever, and you want a place to start, Be My Princess on the app stores of your respective smartphone might be a really good place to start. Because th- I think the Voltage games are, they're good places to start. <laughs> not only in terms of accessibility, because almost everybody has a smartphone or something that they want to, you know, play on their commute or something. Um, because sometimes, you know, when you have to make somebody download a game and run it on a computer, it can be kind of like, eh, or, you know, get a console for it or whatever. The mobile games, I think, is really where the future is. And um, of all the Voltage ones, if Leah says this is the best one, she would really know. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's, like, the best one. I mean, that's totally subjective, right? But it, I definitely right. do recommend it as a good entry into the mobile gaming, and I do really like fangirling aside the writing and the characterizations. I think they did a really good job mm-hmm. with those. So. Well, I want to go play that. That sounds fun. <laughs> Back to a simpler time when I didn't play shit Nitro Chiral put out. <laughs> uh, I agree with Jill. Let's talk about indie English original visual novels. So this is something that um, both Jill and Pachi have a lot of experience with playing stuff. I think one of the biggest ones that um because a lot of them get kickstarted like if they're if they're a big enough game that they're not just going to do it for a jam or for fun or whatever a lot of them will show up on kickstarter because they need money and one of the most successful ones of the last like you know year or two 
was caramel macchiato. Is it called caramel macchiato? Yes. Oh, I thought it was mocha. Yes. No, okay. No, I'm all. No, caramel mind. macchiato. I always get it wrong. Caramel mocha. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, we all know about this one because it raised what thirty grand. Yeah. Um, something like that. It like blew past all their their stretch goals. So. Yeah. Yeah, because usual visual novels are like we need eight grand <laughs> or something, and I think even they said that. But these guys actually had done at least one game before. Demon yeah, they did Crashers? Is that the name Demon of it? Crashers, and it was a free free game, and it was eighteen plus. Uh, I think they did it. Yes. I don't know if they did it for a game jam, but like, you know, it was it was very cute and short, but you know, it's free. Um, so I think people could see yeah. that it, they could produce it. And Pachi, yeah. do you know if that was a game? It was um, Nano Reno, which is yeah. national mm-hmm. like oh. the. Renpai version of Nano Remo, and the right. people mm. that are on staff for Caramel Mochaccino have been really big in the EVN community for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows who Deiji mm. is. Everybody. Yes. So mm-hmm. they've they've got their names around. They also mm-hmm. made uh, yeah. an, they've made a few games together and separately. They've actually, I think, the writer has actually worked on some commercial games for another kind of indie development company called Winter Wolves. Mm-hmm. They've, oh they've yeah, on some games. Yeah, Winter Wolves was one of the first ones to do like an English Otome game. Like I think it actually first, or he the guy is German, but he wrote it. I'm not sure if it started in German and then he translated or whatever. But his the one that I remember is Hylene. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty. Oh old. yeah, yeah, that yeah, was that, that one. Was that that one. He's old. Yeah, yeah, he's made yeah, several Otome games. So mm-hmm. and he he also works on Carmel Mochaccino. No, I think. Uh, Pachi was oh, saying was that the, okay. some people from Caramel Mochaccino worked with him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I think I think Kitty Cat Stargal, I don't know what name she goes oh, yeah. by otherwise, I just follow her on Twitter. <laughs> I think yeah. she's worked with Winter Wolves. She's written a couple of other things, and I believe she's the lead writer on Caramel Mochaccino. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. I'm kind of murky on that. And of course, I mean, I know we've talked about her in the past, so we probably won't go into too much detail, but Christine Love is one of the really big kind of she doesn't do strictly otome games or visual novels but she does definitely kind of inspired sort of anime manga inspired you know made for women uh games so she did like uh, a hate anal- a hate story instead of a love story um sorry babe this just ain't your story i think was another one she has mistress in a bind which is an 18 plus um lesbian uh game that's been in the process for four years and is coming out like this month so yeah, Christine Love is actually fairly famous, but we're going to go back into these other guys too. So uh, so Carmel Mocaccino made a crap ton of money, but I think it's important to acknowledge that <laughs> because this uh, visual novel community is so big, um, that these people were fairly established before they could raise that kind of right. money on <laughs> Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, you know, doing things like jams, like these these little games that they come out with in a short time. And I played Cute Demon Crashers. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like Baby's First Porn. <laughs> so it, I was like a little bit past that. It was meant to be super customizable in terms of how far you want to go with and consensual boys and, and stuff. Sexual yeah, experience. consensual. Oh, yeah. Like the opposite of freaky, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like for <laughs> us who are like used to this Japanese stuff with like, what's consent? What's Aww. that? You know? Um, it's it yeah, might a seem bit. a little tame, but it was nice too. Like that's a good starter if you're interested, but you're not sure yeah. about eighteen plus. You could definitely try that one. That's a good idea. Yeah, actually, for um to see how you know like how you feel about <laughs> a pornographic mm-hmm. 
visual novel. It actually had was partially voiced as yes, well. Yes, partially which is voiced. The art was really excellent. Yes. Yeah. So I think Caramel Macchino is going to be the. I can't pronounce it. Forget it. That game <laughs> with the coffee. It's going to be um, probably really good, and it had a really impressive Kickstarter because yep. you know Cute Demon Crashers was really considering how small it was and uh, it was free and everything. I was like, wow, this is like a really polished, yeah. well done little game it feels like something i would have played in japan except like like like, was surprisingly tame and not you know because the the not creepy the let's say it's yeah i mean because visual novel has been going on for so long in japan we're getting the deconstructions we're getting the weird freaky ones or whatever this was sort of like it had the quality of something that had been very well developed in from an industry that had been very well developed and was very kind of manga anime looking it looked very japanese but it had more of a western sentiment and a much newer less developed industry for them so it's actually yeah so if you want to play a porn game you can play cute demon crashers it's totally free um the partial voice got a little bit weird in the sex scenes but i mean (laughs) that's what it's there for so you know i mean it's not like they don't in japan they they do the full voice on the porn and they really do the full voice on the porn if you know (laughs) what i mean but um i'm not used to hearing people do it in english i'm like oh look at this (laughs) going for it huh Just a little, because it was partially voiced. So. Yeah. Who else has like an indie, an indie visual novel, English original that they want to recommend? Oh, there's a couple good ones on Steam, so I'm yes. gonna go through a couple. Oh, okay. Um, Which ones? So one I have played recently, and it's um, not it's not just visual novel. It has a lot of it's it's choose your own adventure, but it's a bit of stat raising, and it's very um, it's kind of involved. Is 1931 colon Shahrazad at the Library of Pergamum. <laughs> oh, Rebecca's playing the shit out of that. Yeah, it's she really likes great. It. It's set in the 20s, I think, and you're kind of a society, um, you know, a well-off a young woman, but you're really into archaeology because your parents were famous archaeologists or well-known, and they died. You live in New York, so it's based in New York, like 1920s, uh, lots of Art Deco stuff and everything, and you go through meeting people trying to solve mini mysteries as you go on like archaeological digs and stuff and then you know maybe having a romance so that's really fun and oh cinders as well which is kind of a deconstruction of the cinderella story oh that one is really good like it has a lot of good um character i don't know character work like character development Uh, Mm -hmm. and then there's a couple from it's actually a korean company called i think hobie box I think, I think actually it's a partnership between them. Like, and they have two ultimate games on Steam right now. The first one is Dandelion, and the second one is Nameless. Oh, Sherrits. Uh, That's the Sherrits. Yes. Yes. Yes, I and they're actually. Um, I haven't played Dandelion, but Nameless is fully voiced, but it's in Korean. So that was actually interesting for me because oh, usually I play them and I I can understand what they're saying, and this one I can't. But the voice acting <laughs> is really good. The characters are really good. Yeah, the writing is really good nice. for both of them. Uh, Nameless is a pure game, visual novel, games, yeah. and Dandelion yeah. is more of a stats raiser. Cool. Mm-hmm. There was an old Korean stat raising game called Oops My Prince. <laughs> yeah. This was like, ooh. I tried to find it once. Ago. I couldn't. Yeah, it, well, it, I don't think there was an. I think it was only in Korean, and it was kind of hard. Like, I think you need to know which Korean forums to go to to get it. But yeah, um, and actually, like, I think they released drama CDs for it and stuff too. Like, I think it was a little bit of a thing, even though I think it was indie. But it was sort of like Princess Maker, except 
<laughs> you raise a little gay prince and you're all the boys you can bang. It was actually really funny. But It kind of um, reminds me Leo, of... What do you uh, recommend? Oh, it reminded me, uh, you know, Long Live the Queen, which is mostly a stat raiser, but yes. it has some Otome stuff. It kind of, that reminds me of Oops, My Prince. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Leah, what other uh, indie games would you recommend? Um, One that comes to mind, other than the ones that were already mentioned, is Backstage Pass by the oh, yeah. group Sake Visual. And that's mm-hmm. been in development mm-hmm. for about four years because of various disasters that happened behind the scenes. Um, I've been keeping up with them on their social media and such, so that's how I know. Mm-hmm. But they've been uh, working on it pretty steadily, and they finally released the quote-unquote complete version um, at Anime Fest this year. Oh. And it's pretty fun. Basically, the sh- really short premise is that you play as the main character, um, Sean Gooden. She's a makeup artist. In the industry, I guess you you could call it that, and you can date these guys, and it's a stat raiser, and each guy represents mm-hmm. a kind of different a different stage and a kind of a different arm of the entertainment industry, and cool. it's a stat raiser stat raiser visual novel mix. It's pretty fun, and I think it was I think it's pretty well done. So, mm-hmm. Sake Visual mm-hmm. actually has s- several you- games like they've kind of progressed. Yes, um, they're one of so the they have older. A few, like, the older, like, indie visual novel mm-hmm. developers, too, so. Yeah, they did. Also, um, since Rebecca can't be on this podcast, she wanted me to plug Hanako Games. Mm. She loves Hanako Games mm. stuff. Black Closet is one of her favorites. They have a bunch of games, though, and I think it's mostly run by one lady whom I follow on Twitter. I mean, obviously, there are teams behind it, but um, they seem to put out games fairly regularly, and Becca seems to like, like, all of them, so. <laughs> Hanako Games start with Black Closet, I think, which was a, I think it's a lesbian game? Was that the, there was also like the Royal Trap? I think yes. was another one yeah. that she liked. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. I feel like we talked about that on a previous podcast yeah, as well. I think so. And they are—they're the ones that did Long Live the Queen too. Oh. Oh right. Okay. So yeah, they've—they've they've been around a while. They did Hanako Games did Long yes. Live the Queen. Wow, they have been around a while. Good for them. <laughs> Hanako Games and Sake Visual being around, <laughs> paying their dues. Uh, what about you, Pachi? I'm kind of the odd one out because I don't actually play a lot of, like, Otome or girl-aimed games. I got into visual novels with Tugai no Nochi, and that kind of just skewed, like, everything. <laughs> because then the stuff I played after that was things like Shuffle, which I don't actually recommend in any sense. It was something. <laughs> so there was this one EV English visual novel that was released, um, like, a year or so ago um, called StarCraft II The like visual novel it's just about like <laughs> being a professional gamer in like korea and you can pick oh, your i've heard of that it's I, genuinely isn't that really on steam good. yes it's, okay oh it's sweet. really good like i played it and i don't usually feel this nice sense of satisfaction when i finish a visual novel mm-hmm. and i just felt <laughs> so at peace with the world when i finished it i was like you know this was a good spent way to spend my like two hours you gotta stop playing the fucked up ones. <laughs> oh my god, I'm trying. I play, I'm playing Hustle Cat, which I also adore. Oh yeah, there you go. Hustle and, Cat. Yeah, and Hustle Cat's normal. And yeah. then like the other one that like I'm into and waiting for like the next parts of is the Reject Demon Toko, which is definitely like lesbians. Like the main character has like cute little cuddle scenes with uh, this human girl, and like there's a couple of points that are confusing in it, but it's a fun little thing about like this really this uh demon who's like really shitty at being a demon like she's supposed to like take souls and stuff and like she's had god i don't know maybe 600 chances and she's fucked up every single one of them (laughs) so they're like okay get out and so they kick her out and on earth and she's like where am i 
and like she has one soul that she technically owns from when she was like an itty bitty little kid. So like it's it's cute, and like there's <laughs> these really interesting fight scenes. But yeah, like my my vein of things. I was looking over my visual novel list, and I was like, oh god. Some of these are so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of that one that you were talking about? Just uh, now? The Reject Demon Toko by Lupisoft. Okay. Like they that's probably one of their only games I'm like super into. But like the art I really like the art style of it too, because the artist is just he kind of just went off and did his own thing and I think it came across pretty well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just glancing over my list, I'm just kind of like, eh. <laughs> yeah, the Date Naito games, which we didn't even touch upon, even though we <laughs> we all play them. Um, they're a reasonably new company. Uh, they also, bran- like some of the writers slash, I think maybe the artists uh, branched off into another company, which I think is called Green Solid. Mm-hmm. Am I incorrect? Yeah. yeah, Green Solid. So they did the Starfighter game, which is actually excellent. It's based off the Starfighter comic and had the um, the same artist, Hamlet Machine, do it. That was, I think that Kickstarter over, was it over $100,000 on Kickstarter? It, it raised yeah, a lot of money. Over 50000 sure. anyways. <laughs> I'm literally Googling that right now just because I'm curious about how much money they raised. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Like, Human Reignition Project was another one that did really well, and that was like forty grand, I think. Which one? Yeah, well, Starfighter's a little different because it's a huge oh, comic. A hundred and forty thousand before. Yeah. Starfighter, yeah. Wow. Um, but again, that was already a big franchise, and uh, and the game is, is excellent. Um, it's filthy, but well-written. Filthy, but well-written, so I highly recommend And a playthrough is about two hours. And there are a lot of different playthroughs, so it's actually very satisfying. And also, there's all kinds of crazy sex you can unlock. It's based off of, uh, you know, Starfighter as a comic is really good, too. Um, and then Hustle Cat, which we all love, which is a, a great tamer. <laughs> it's not uh, porny, the way Starfighter is. It's um, Magical Cat Cafe, is that how you guys would describe uh-huh. it? Okay, Magical Cat Cafe, there you go. Um, they also released We Are the Devil. Is that the name of it? Or We Know the Devil? It's We Are the Devil. We Know the Devil, I think. We Know the Devil. Okay. Kind of a horror game. I thought I heard somewhere that that was a jam as well, that Date Naito kind of helped on. So these jams are really productive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can do, like Pachi was saying, you can just do a demo to kind of get the the ball rolling. But in the case of Out of Sync, you know, it it was reasonably low in the number of choices uh, in Out of Sync. There are two choices in it. But um, it's a really good way to kind of get a an initial story out uh, and then later on, on you can expand the game you can do a sequel you can do more with it but having kind of a beginning middle and an end in a game that people can download and play right now even if it's not huge even if it's not super complicated um, I thought Out of Sync was super satisfying even though it wasn't super complex uh, it was definitely I think you guys did a great job <laughs> on it Pachi all of you you, your Paper Star Studios team you guys worked your asses off on that oh my god that makes me like really happy to hear because like I look at it and I'm like oh, there's yeah. little things I'm just like no and it drives me up the wall, but I think that's just the result <laughs> nah. of putting anything out the door. You're going to look yeah. at it later and yeah. be like, oh no, there's like 10 things here I should have done differently. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I mean, considering the deadline, I was surprised it had as much art as it did. But Capo Rushes is like a machine and you had two other artists assisting her on. Uh, Tomo and Romichan were both doing backgrounds and colors. Oh my god, that was incredible. Because, like, yeah, three I got to switch them around and be like, you do this, and then you do this instead. <laughs> Capo yeah. is extremely fast. Like, she was done yeah. with these sketches in, like, 15 minutes. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I'm not used to that. And, like, when we had, there was a couple of times where I was like, oh, no, we're running out of time. We need to, like, switch some things around. And, like, 
I was just able to be like, Romy, do this. Okay, Tomo, you do this while Romy's doing that, and you're going to send your stuff to each other and switch. Like, yeah. It was incredible. Oh, my God. You've got a great team there, and we're really looking forward to what Paper Star Studios does next. I know you guys are, are discussing that because, well, first of all, you needed about a week to sleep. After. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that entire first week after, I was just like, you know what's nice? Not doing anything. But, yeah, we have... <laughs> yeah kind of a little meeting to determine what our next main project is going to be in the next few weeks. So hopefully I'll be able to say something about what's going on after that. Nice. Yeah, we, we really look forward to it. Well, And anybody who liked Out of Sync, uh, well, first of all, if you haven't played it, go play it. It's free and it's on Sparkler's site and you can download the entire issue and it comes with like a 50-page booklet with script samples and sketches and all this stuff. But also Paper Star Studios had put out two small games before this. Um, with, I don't know if there were any choices in them. I think they were just stories, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Out of Sync was actually my first, like, attempt at writing choices, because I was talking to Becca about just, like, you know, games and stuff. She, she was talking about, like, choices being awesome, and I'm like, well, they terrify me. Well, yeah, they add complexity, like, crazy. Oh my god, yeah. And so, like, I was sitting down and just, like, tearing through the Out of Sync outline, and I was like, you know what? Here's, like, a couple of easy places I can stick choices. One of them mm -hmm. will influence the ending, and the other one is just, you know, you get a different scene. And, mm -hmm. like, it was a really good way to break into it, because now I can actually think about in my yeah. head how to organize it, because that was the entire roadblock for me. I couldn't figure out how to organize yeah. the document so it would be cohesive and easy to put into mm -hmm. programming. Mm -hmm. So, like, Out of Sync was a really good start in that direction. Mm -hmm. And it was satisfying to play. Like, I, I was hoping that when it came out, I wanted it to take about, you know, at least um, maybe 25 to 30 minutes of play, like the equivalent of watching an episode of a TV show. And because of the, the choices that you added, I think it was a little bit closer to, like, you know, maybe 40 minutes for a playthrough. For, for all the playthroughs, mm -hmm. rather. Which is great. That, and that's kind of like, when we look at the way people consume Sparkler, because <laughs> we were really trying to, like, hey, Sparkler fans, you would love visual novels, but, like, don't play No Thank You. It takes a trillion years to get through one route, and there's just crazy butt sex for, like, half of that. Like, you know, it, it's hard to know. Like, we had some, obviously, in this podcast, we've been recommending first games, but a lot of the stuff that comes out of Japan, they are complex and long, and they can be kind of frustrating in that sense. Date Naito is good because between, like, Hustle Cat and, and Starfighter playthroughs are, like, two hours, which, if you buy a game that's, like, between 10 and $20, you want a playthrough to take about that long, so you can spend an evening on it. But in the case of Sparkler, people can read an issue in, like, you know, under an hour, depending on how much prose there is, basically. <laughs> so we wanted something that, you know, people could 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 play on their lunch break, essentially. Or at least play one playthrough on their lunch break and then maybe another one that night. So they're not spending all night on a game, but, like, it, it basically adds some depth to their break when they're reading Sparkler or playing Sparkler. So it was really perfect for us. And I think also for people who are not familiar with visual novels, out of sync is a great way to start. So there you go. That's totally biased, obviously, but it's much simpler. You'll play through one playthrough in 25 minutes, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe 30. Yeah, it's, it's depending on how fast you read, but it's not voiced, but it has um, kind of a lot of music. <laughs> Rebecca composed, I think, four pieces of music. There's a lot of art. Yeah, it's just, it's it's about these two idols being fucky. So it's good. And the, the free version is, is it's, spicy but it's not porn so you can you know play it at work and it's not <laughs> i don't know if you'd want to play it at work work but you know you should be working at work but <laughs> at the same time it's not like you know you have to be like ashamed of it being on your screen but if you download the cherry bob one you might want to minimize when people come by <laughs> gets a little racy yeah capo did a good job That's on the smut oh god 
She did. There were, what, three extra CGs? Because they're not, like, there's, what, like, maybe four CGs or so in the game? Uh, CG is when there's, like, a full illustration that, so you're talking with these, we call them sprites. They're, like, basically little cutouts of people who their expressions change as they talk to you. But then when something, like, a major event happens, you get a full illustration of that event. And they were, like, you know, three or four in the main game, and there's an extra three if you play the porn version. (laughs) Yeah. um, At first we were worried there wasn't going to be, like, any or just like one or two event images within like the free version and nope that we worked it worked out fine we i feel like we have a good balance yeah. between the two of them you really do it was good proud of you oh my guys. god thank you <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining us we'll be back next month we we We've done a video game podcast before. We might continue doing them. We know a lot of people in the game industry who could really come in and give some great insight. And there's just, where do you even end with video games? There's always more that you can talk about. But thank you guys for joining us. You guys really know your visual novels. (laughs) It's great stuff. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next month. And uh, everybody can say bye. Thank you for coming. Bye. Bye. Bye.